So it's 1999 that I sat in church and listened to uh, somebody like Casey, uh, Lisa and I did, both of us. And the reason I'm saying this right now is because some of you have already heard the sermon and that's okay. God is already stirring in you and you're not going to hear what I say and that's totally fine with me because we said yes, just like they mentioned, to just listening to foster care. And then we took another step and we went to a class. Uh, for four weeks, and we learned how to be foster parents. And then we said, we're ready. We're ready to be foster parents. Lord, we'll do it. We'll do it. And then that got ramped up. Uh, My wife prayed boldly that the Lord would put something in the bulletin this Sunday, if we're supposed to do it. Um, Instead of something about foster care, there was something about an adoption in Vietnam that had closed. So she said, all right, Lord, you're upping the ante. You're going to have to put that on Chad's heart. He's going to have to bring it up. After church, I was like, did you see that announcement in the video? You know, which led to our sweet Maya Lynn, who is 22 and lives in the cities. And, but it was all because we listened to Jesus and said, yes. So if God is stirring, just encourage you to say yes. Just, just take that next step. Go talk to them. Go listen. Give. We trust Jesus talking to you about your giving. We do. We don't get in there and noodle you and try to all the time remind you, like, please give to us. Like, we don't do that. We say, you talk to Jesus, you give. So if he's prompting you today to join them, please do it. That's obedient. We're, we, we trust that the Lord will take care of us. Please be obedient. Go out there, listen, respond. You never know what Jesus might do. So if you've heard that sermon, you can check out. No problem. Don't worry. Uh, The second thing I do want to mention is next week, next week, it's not getting close. It is next week that Jesus Sunday is happening. We will, yeah, next week, everybody say Jesus Sunday next week. Jesus Sunday next week. Say it in your head. Say it in your head. Jesus Sunday next week. Jesus Sunday is happening. Hey, did you know that Jesus Sunday is happening next week? Yeah, Jesus Sunday. That's right. We are what we do, and you may be like, isn't every Sunday Jesus Sunday? Well, of course, but sometimes we want to make food. And we want to celebrate and we want to have baptisms and we want you to be able to maybe invite somebody to say, hey, you want to come and we'll feed you. We'll feed you and you can come and, and just see what this whole Jesus thing is about for me. Maybe you haven't been for in a long time. Come to church with me. Just come just once. Just check it out. Uh, usually the food is phenomenal afterwards. Did you know that in the first century, it wasn't a wafer and a little cup? It was actually people sitting in homes and having a meal and celebrating and remembering Jesus. Isn't that cool? So we're going to have that meal next week. We're going to baptize people. We're going to talk about Jesus. So encourage you. It's one service only. 1030. You come at 830. We're going to put you to work. Okay. 1030. One service. No traditions. We're all going to squeeze in here and just celebrate our King together. Awesome. Let's pray before we jump into the word here. Lord, thank you for uh, just how you speak. Lord, even as I was listening to Casey and just watching those amazing stories, Lord, it, it changed our life for good. Lord, for your kingdom, for your glory. Because our sweet Maya Lynn had had something happen to her as an infant. And she needed somebody needed somebody to hear your voice for her. And so, Lord, we just pray that we would be a church that responds well to your spirit leading us. God, we are in a part of the church here 
watching them struggle through and go through difficult things, and it's so good for us. And so just pray that you would speak to us as we spend time in your word. Amen. If you got a Bible, you should have a Bible, by the way. If you don't have one, you should have a Bible. It's a good thing to have. And it's awesome to have it on your device. But you know what else is on your device? Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, email, so many things. And sometimes it's just sweet to sit down. I've got one in my chair time at home. I have a chair that I sit in every, most of the time every morning. And my dog, Nash, likes to come and climb onto my Bible. Um, but... I sit there and I like to underline it. I like to put things in it. And it doesn't work so well if you put, you, you put a marker on your phone. It doesn't, doesn't do that well. So I encourage you to have a Bible. We're in Acts chapter 12. What would it take for you to walk away from Jesus? What would it take for you to walk away from this? I don't mean attending. I mean like the whole thing. The real kingdom of God stuff. Today, things get hard for the church in the, the story we're going to read. It get really hard, very difficult. And I don't think it's a mistake that we're in this passage right now and we live in 2022 when things are kind of getting squeezed a little bit in our experience of walking with Jesus. If you haven't watched The Chosen, I encourage you to, but uh, season two, episode one, they're actually in this moment kind of cool. It's only a little bit at the beginning, but you see the disciples and it's almost a documentary set up and they're kind of looking at the camera and you see Peter right away and he's old. He's kind of got some gray coming in a little bit. It's been 10 years or so. And he says, the first time? You mean the first time I met him? Oh, it was amazing. And then others struggling to talk about Jesus. I just miss him so much. And what you don't realize, and you pick it up later, because Mary, the mother of Jesus, is sitting there, and it's John. You know what John is doing? He's writing stuff down, because he's going to eventually write his own account of the gospel of John. So John is sitting there, and Mary looks at him and says, why are you doing this? He says, we have to write this down. She goes, no, but why are you doing it now? Because you know what now was? Now was this. Let's read together. Acts chapter 12, verse 1, and you'll get an idea of why Mary was saying, why now? This is kind of a, a hard time. So let's read together just the first few verses. Acts chapter 12, verse 1. About that time, King Herod violently attacked the church. Violently attacked some who belonged to the church and he executed James. He killed him, John's brother, with the sword. And when he saw that this was pleasing to the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter too during the festival of unleavened bread, which meant everybody was gathered, everybody was around, everybody knew what was going on. After the arrest, he put him in prison, assigned four squads of four soldiers each to guard him intending to bring him out to the people after the Passover to kill him, okay? Not to bring him out to go, ha ha, look, I caught him, to bring him out and to kill him publicly, just like they killed James. Verse five says, so Peter was kept in prison, but the church was praying fervently to God for him. 
So if you lived in London during World War II, at any moment, a siren could go off, like the one that we all listen to, is it Wednesday? And you're like, oh my word, not now. Like none of us actually think that there's really some sort of dangerous thing coming, do we? We just know they're testing the siren. But in London, if the siren went off, you know what you did? You went underground. You got out of your house. You left what you were doing at that moment to take shelter. This moment in the church, the reason why Mary said, why are you doing this now? The air raid sirens are going off. Air raid sirens for the church. Now this picture right here is actually, I think this is a fascinating picture. This is London post one of the bombings. So air raid sirens go off. They all go down underground. The bombs get dropped by Hitler. They come back up and it's like, oh man, the library got hit. And I think this is a fascinating picture because those guys are like, well, I still want to read. <laughs> so I just love that. This guy right here with his foot up on the thing, he's like, hmm, what do I want to read today? Look at what's happening behind them. <laughs> Look at what happened to the library. Now, maybe they're like, I'm taking these books. I want to put them on my... It doesn't look like that, actually. They look like they're browsing. In fact, that guy back there, he's reading. He's standing there in the rubble of a burned out, bombed building. And he's like, <laughs> just reading. Air raid sirens for the church are going off. So let's put this in perspective. Let's say somebody asked, hey, how was church this week? Well, uh, James was killed. Peter's in prison. I'm thinking about getting out. I don't like this. This isn't what I signed up for. This isn't what I signed up for. Look again at verse one. Herod violently attacked some who belonged to the church, executed James, put Peter in prison. You mean James, the James, part of the original four? This is James and John, Peter and Andrew, the four disciples witnessed the miracle of the fish. He's the one got to go up on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus to see him. That James, this is the James that was killed. He's dead. Let that sink in for a moment. Let's put it in terms of 2022 Pleasant Valley. How was PV this past week? And I don't want to do the normal thing where it'd be like, oh, pastor so-and-so. I, I want to take it down to what it should be. One of our college students was out speaking about Jesus. They're in jail right now. Hypothetical, everybody. If you just woke up. If you just woke up, you're like, oh, shoot, I'm listening. Did he just say somebody's in jail? <laughs> I knew that was going to happen. I actually wrote it in my notes. Say it's hypothetical because somebody's going to wake up at this moment. So hypothetically, how was PV this past week? One of our college students was put in jail for speaking about Jesus. One of our small group leaders was killed for holding small group in their house. Oh, 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 What? Do we think this is not a possibility? It's happening in other parts of the world right now. A reality for the church in China, a reality for the church in Iran. It's happening. 
That's what's going on. So a couple of questions. Would you be tempted to stay home from your small group the next week? Would you be a little more quiet at your conversation at Mugby about Jesus? Would you keep this in your bag and maybe whisper the things you've been learning? Or would you give it up altogether? Is this when you walk away? So what's a shallow interpretation of these first five verses? I've been, I've been so convicted of my shallow interpretations of Scripture over the years. So just, ah, Chad, you're such a tool. <laughs> just so dumb. How could you just fall for that shallow interpretation? What do I mean by shallow interpretation? Here we go. What are we doing wrong? We need representatives to fight for our religious freedom. I've totally done this. You know what? I think Jerusalem is just getting more and more secular. Just put America in there for that sentence. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to craft a strongly worded email <laughs> and send it to my senator or send it to post it. I'm going to post it on Facebook. I am going to find, I'm going to tell people what I think of them. This world is secular and pagan and evil and dark. Ah, can't believe this is happening. That's shallow, isn't it? But it's real. It feels right. It feels right to say that. It feels right to lean that way when we get around things like elections. Right? If you don't think that I'm not thinking about the next election as a believer in Jesus and thinking through the fact that we're probably going to lose some more people, I'm counting on it. I'm counting on it because I'm going to tell you right now, I'll tell you again. And for those during the election stuff that's coming up, I am not here to be patriotic. I'm here to show you my allegiance to the King of Kings. And I love this country. I love it. I'll pray for it. I'll do exactly what scripture says, but I expect that it's going to get more and more difficult. Is that shallow interpretation the way of being the church? quick to respond, not resilient, not nuanced, reactive, super sensitive, but not in a Holy Spirit kind of way, unprepared. But the church gives us a gift. This church gives us a gift because how do they respond? They show us something. They've just learned that James is dead. And I think the chosen does a great job to say, this is the moment that John was like, I got to get these stories down because I got to get these stories out. Time is an issue. And yes, they would have had a moment of the called Shiva. They would have grieved for a certain amount of time. And that's why Mary in the episode one, season two says, why are you doing this? Why, you need to grieve for big James. And he says, no, I need to write these things down. I need to get this gospel down so I can tell others so it can end up in the hands of somebody in the year 2022. Right? And so they pray fervently. 
not in a legalistic, religious, check it off kind of way, but in a sweat forming on the brow of their soul, can't help it like tears welling up in your eyes. It just springs up from within them to pray because prayer is really just a desire to talk to Jesus. It's a desire to talk with somebody who loves you and understands and where you say, can I just sit with you? I remember a song years ago in the 90s. It was like a, and it was one of the first times I was hearing somebody do not just what's written down on the music, but it was prophetic type singing. And it was at the end of a song and this worship leader, I remember I was just locked in. I was like, how is he doing that? How is he singing what he didn't have written down? And it was a moment, you could tell, it was spontaneous. And he said, can I sit with you a while? Can you just hold me? I'm your child. Can I come to you with words so few and rest inside your heart? I was like, what is happening? Grab my heart. And I was like, that's prayer. That's prayer. That's fervent prayer. It's just coming up. So big question And I want you to imagine, you guys ever been to the beach or whatever, and you see one of those planes flying over, pulling a banner, and what does it say? Eat at Earl's, or something like that, right? You're just sitting there on the beach, and you're like, there it goes again, and comes back. I want you to imagine a plane flying in circles in this room right now with a banner that says, what are they praying What are they praying? They're praying fervently, but what are they praying? Let's do some shallow again, shall we? You with me? Let's do some shallow interpretation here. What are they praying? Lord, make it stop. This is so unfair. Please make us comfortable again. Please bring us better coffee at church. Don't let the government raise my taxes. That is so unchristian. Get Peter out. Get him out. Curse those Romans. Curse Herod. Let them get what's coming to them. Shallow. Shallow. What are they praying? So we're going to read between the lines to find out. But it's there. It's not like, and they prayed this, this, and this. Like, it's not like they went around the room like, okay, you pray. Dear Lord, please get Peter out of prison and just beat up Herod and all those Roman people. They're bad. Amen. Now you go. Everybody around the room. Everybody do it. Now let's do it again. Fervent. Way to go. Way to go. We are being the church here. No, gross. Right? So let's look and let's read between the lines and see... I think and this is so cool for me this week to watch, to see this because I feel like the Lord's like, Chad, hmm. yeah, we're just gonna, we're just, we'll work on you. Just hang in there, Chad. We'll do it. Verse six, when Herod was about to bring him out for the trial, this big moment, I'm gonna kill this guy. That very night, Peter bound with two chains was sleeping between two soldiers while the sentries in front of the door guarded the prison. So four sets of four guards, Two holding him, chained to him, two guarding the door. That's a lot for a disciple, but hey. Suddenly, an angel, I love this part, and this is the the only thing I've ever thought about when I read this passage was like, ooh, God is amazing. And it is. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. And I just love these details. 
And the angel could have just spoken, could have just said, <clears throat> but instead goes, <clears throat> hits him on the side. <laughs> I just love that kind of stuff. It's like, Ooh, pokes him in the side, striking Peter on the side, woke him up and said, quick, get up. Chains fell off his wrists. We write songs about these things. Chains will be broken. Rah! Kill all the bad people. Jesus. Get dressed, the angel told him, and put on your sandals. I was like, okay. <laughs> you can do miraculous things, but he really needs his shoes and his robe. Okay. Um, get dressed, put on your sandals. And he did. Wrap your cloak around you. Just details, they're awesome though. Wrap your cloak around you, he told him, and follow me. So he went out, followed. He didn't know that what the angel did was really happening. He thought it was a vision. They passed the first guards. They passed the second guards. They came to the iron gate that leads into the city, which opened by itself. They went outside, passed one street. Suddenly the angel's gone and Peter's like, I have my sandals on. I'm wearing, I'm wearing my cloak. What am I doing? I'm out. I'm out. Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's grasp and from all that the Jewish people expected. Do you wonder if, he, if Peter said that in the middle of the street? <laughs> now I know that the Lord has sent the... No, he's telling the story later, okay? He's giving the account to Luke, who's writing it down. So... As soon as he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John Mark. There are six Marys in the New Testament, by the way, that we know of. Six. So if you're ever confused, me too. <laughs> Where many had assembled and were praying. We know they were praying fervently. He knocked at the door of the outer gate. A servant named Rhoda came to answer. She recognized Peter's voice. And because of her joy, anybody ever seen the movie Hook? been a long time. There's this awesome moment. It's a grown-up, Toodles, the guy who lost his marbles, um, who comes to the door, and it's, they opens the door, and Toodles opens it up, and there's somebody waiting to be let in, and he goes, it's snowing, and closes the door. Rhoda does the same thing. She's so excited when she sees Peter that she just basically slams the door in his face. She recognized him. She didn't open the gate, ran in, and announced that Peter was standing at the outer gate. And what does the church who is praying fervently say to her? <laughs> You're out of your mind. You ever had that said to you at church? That's kind of an, actually a pretty normal thing, I think, for church. All of us. Like, God wants to do amazing, supernatural, miraculous things, change our hearts. And, and our first response is, You're out of your mind. So, if you ever say that, you feel that way, it's right there in the Bible. That's okay. She was insisting, this is true. I'm telling you, it's his angel. Peter, however, they said, no, it's just his angel. Some theological mojo going on there. We don't know about, but verse 16, Peter, however, kept on knocking. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were amazed, motioning to them with his hand to be silent. So let's just read the Bible as it's written. Don't read it as the boring voice that you don't care about. So what's Peter doing? Motioning with his hand, shh, don't, don't, don't say anything. And basically says, hey, this is what happened to Rhoda. Okay. To the servant girl. He tells her everything that's happened. And then he leaves. 
I love that. He left and went to another place. Now that's the, the big chunk of the passage. There's only a tiny bit left. So what happens? What are they praying? Remember the plane flying around the room? What are they praying? God answers. So on the surface, you read it, and I certainly have in the past, and you think, yes, God answered, he's out, we're done. And it's spectacular. An angel is given permission to be visible. The laws of physics are bent and bypassed. Sandals and cloaks are still needed. Wow, let's go to that church. But is there more? And this is where I felt like the Lord was saying, Chad, think past this. And I want you to think about your own circumstances. Okay, difficult things. When things get hard, why would Jesus allow this in the first place? Violence. He let somebody die. Imprisonment, adversity, difficulty. Why allow it in the first place? What's the point? Would I let my child, if I was in a boat on the Mississippi and I had an infant, would I be like, boom, into the water, wait for them to cry out and then jump in and save them? No. That's sometimes how we think about this though. It's like, well, God just let it happen so, so that they would pray. It's like, what? There has to be more than that. What is God doing here? So this is where the Lord took me and I felt like it was a new just, it was encouraging for my heart because I feel like I'm growing and I want to grow. I want to grow as your brother in Christ. I don't want to be stuck anywhere. And I want the Lord to call me out when I'm struggling. And I want him to correct me and I want him to take me deeper. And I want to get to where I get on that great getting up day and be ready and have my heart soft and tender. And so here's what he showed me. Peter, what did Peter do a few chapters back? Who did he visit? Anybody remember? Cornelius. Cornelius, who was a Roman soldier. Did he want to at first? No. Did he hate him at first? Yes. Did God break through some things and say, hey, this is what we're going to be doing now? We're taking this to even your enemies? Yes. Did Peter end up preaching to a room full of Cornelius and his friends? Yes. Oh, now James has been killed and Peter is right back chained to two soldiers, two Roman soldiers. There are two Roman soldiers guarding and it's not just four. There were four sets of four. There are 16 soldiers. What might Jesus be doing? Jesus loves to work from the margins. Jesus loves to work from the margins. That place where you think, this can't be it. This is awful. This is difficult. This is getting more difficult to follow the Lord in our day. People don't like it. We don't like margins, do we? Do we like to be pushed to the margins? If you're missing my word there. Do we like to be pushed and isolated and put into difficult circumstances where we're not a part of the main thing anymore? We don't like that. So what kind of margins does Jesus work from? So first, situations in the world that are marginal, circumstances that push us to the edge. Anybody think of any in the last few years? Yeah, easy, easy, right? Church, people push to the edges and like, we don't know if we can take it anymore, but people can also be marginalized, can't they? 
So main characters in this story, Peter, angels, like that's usually how I read it. It was like, he got a visit from an angel. He broke the chains. The door opened. Wah! God will break your chains this week. He will open your doors this week because he is in the business of doing the supernatural all the time for us. And that may happen and we can say amen to that. But at the same time, who are the marginal characters in the story? How about the little girl that opened the door? Rhoda. How about Mary, the mother of John Mark? So John Mark would write the first gospel. He would also, before he writes the first gospel, go, and you're going to see it, goes on a missionary journey with Paul, and then Paul doesn't like him and thinks he's not committed and says, I don't want him to go anymore. He's not committed enough. They separate. That John Mark ends up writing the first gospel. It's her house, though. It's the mom's house. In a time when people can be killed or imprisoned for following Jesus, what does she say? My house can be the safe house. My house can be the one where we have church. Peter knew where to go. Mary's house. So we have Rhoda. We have Mary. We have people who aren't named, who are praying fervently. And then here are the other ones. And just look at verse 6. Again, Peter is sleeping between two soldiers. And the sentries in front are guarding the door. Verse 12, house of Mary, mother of John called Mark, people assembled praying, servant named Rhoda. There are your margins. Soldiers, sentries, Mary, Rhoda, nameless people. Yes, Peter's important. Yes, the angel's important. But look at the margins. Look at what God is doing with the people who are kind of on the sidelines. If you look at this story and you think the central theme is religious freedom, you would be missing the point. That is not what God is doing. Now, he gets them out. That's great. But what does Jesus say about persecution? If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. He guarantees it. He guarantees. So what might he have up his sleeve in allowing this to happen. So I want you just to think about the soldiers for a minute. They are chained to Peter. There's two more guarding the door. They are on the margins. They're on the margins. But think about this. They're chained to somebody who has the gospel. Does Peter... Nah so mad that I'm here. They're praying and I'm going to get out and something's going to happen to you because you're bad people. I don't think so. I don't think so. It doesn't say it implicitly, but you read scripture with scripture. And what do we know Paul did when he was chained to Roman soldiers? Talked about Jesus. Had Peter heard the story about Jesus when he was being crucified? What did he say about the Roman soldiers who were nailing the nails and putting him up? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He's got the model in front of him. You know what I think Peter is doing? Hey, do you guys know somebody named Cornelius? And then they change the, those guys are just ignoring him, not listening. But then the next group comes, they're chained to him for the next couple of hours. Like, hey, do you know a guy named Cornelius? I was just at his house. Can I tell you about what happened to Cornelius? Can I tell you about the good news of Jesus? 
I think Peter has been sent to prison to talk to Roman soldiers, to be chained to Roman soldiers, or let's flip it around. Peter's not chained. Those guys are chained. They're chained to the gospel for 24 hours, whether they like it or not. They got to listen to this guy. Stop talking about this Jesus. He's sitting there. What's all of this? What's the point of all of this? Jesus likes to work from the margins and the Lord is rescuing him. He says it. He's rescued me from Herod's grasp, from what they wanted to do for me. But what might be happening in the church? Transformation. I think their prayers, and we're going to get to the specifics, but I don't think their prayers were just get him out. I think there's stuff happening in their heart. So last few verses, um, and I'll, I think it'll kind of close the deal to tell you why the Lord allowed this to happen. Verse 18, at daylight, there was a great commotion. I bet. <laughs> He's gone. There's a great commotion among the soldiers as to what had become of Peter. After Herod had searched and didn't find him, he interrogated the Roman guards and ordered their execution. All 16 killed immediately. All of them. Then Herod went down from Judea to Caesarea. He stayed there. Herod had been very angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon. Together they presented themselves before him. After winning over Blastus, who was in charge of the king's bedroom, they asked for peace because their country was supplied with food from the king's country. On an appointed day, dressed in royal robes, seated on the throne, Herod delivered a speech. Then assembled people began to shout, It's the voice of a God and not of a man. At once an angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give the glory to God and he was... Hmm eaten by worms and died. But the word of God flourished and multiplied. After they completed their relief mission, Barnabas and Saul returned to Jerusalem, taking along John, who was called Mark. Just a last couple of thoughts. What are they praying? What is Jesus doing? If you are in that place, and I think I used to be in this place when I'd read this, to say a great commotion among the soldiers and then they got killed... The old shallow Chad would say, good, get him. You deserve it. You were on the wrong side. You arrested Peter. But don't do that, Chad. These guys have families. These guys were knit together by Jesus when they were formed in their mother's wombs. They're made in the image of God. And I think they have a life and a history that I need to pay attention to. Think about where they had come from. Had any of them been involved in the crucifixion? Had any of them heard the words from Jesus, Father, forgive them? And it kind of stuck them in the heart a little bit to be like, oh, did any of them know the guy that knelt by the cross and said, surely this was the son of God? Maybe they did know Cornelius and he had already said something to them. And then Peter gets chained to them and he says just a few words. And one of them is like, I don't want to be here. And I'm so sorry that you're here. And yes, I would love to surrender. The soldiers, verse 19, are interrogated and killed. So jump in your mind. Let's just name one of them, Antony. A soldier named Antony was chained to Peter for a three-hour shift. The next morning, he was standing before the judge of the living and the dead, and an angel said, what brings you here, Antony? And he says, well, last night was my last night. 
Last night was my last night. And all glory to the king of kings because I was chained to this guy named Peter who told me, even though he had every right to hate me for what I was doing, who told me about his good news of what he had done, that he lived this life and he had died for my sins, that he conquered death, that he is the real king, the real Lord, not Caesar. And I, for some wild reason, decided to bow my knee. What would you do if tonight was your last? Peter thought it was his last, which is why I think he was sharing the gospel. I don't think he was sitting there waiting for the church to pray him out. I think he was sharing. If this is it, if this, if it's going to happen right here, James just got killed. I'm no dummy. I think Herod has arrested me to make a spectacle of me, to put me in front of people and to kill me in front of everyone. And so guess what? I'm going out loving Jesus. I'm going out telling people that he loves them. Even if I have every right to hate this guy sitting next to me. Anthony, listen to me. What's your name? Anthony. Anthony, guess what? Jesus loves you. He loves you. And honestly, this is my hypothesis, but I don't think the angel came until the words had been spoken, had been given. Herod's last night also happened. Verse 23, he didn't give glory to God. I think he had plenty of times to do it too. That's brutal. Eaten by worms and died. Let's all memorize a verse this week. <laughs> what did you memorize? Well, Herod was eaten by worms and died. It's right there though. Why allow all of this? Why the air raid sirens, Jesus? Why not just make it comfortable? How do we respond when we are forced to the margins? Final two verses, I think, is our answer. Why is God doing this? So that the word of God would spread and multiply. When we, I heard this this past week, um, actually read it this past week in a book I was reading. When God allows persecution, it gives us a gift because the gospel and the truth of who Jesus is and what matters gets distilled down to this, oh, oh, now I understand what we're doing. The word of God spreads and multiply. And no mistake also that in the middle of, if Daniel told us about that verse just before this chapter, there was a famine predicted. The church said, hey, we'll give. We'll give. They've sent them on a mission. What does it say? Famine is there. James is killed. Peter's in prison. We need to hang on to our money. We need to not worry about, we just need to care for ourselves. Nope. They complete it. They complete the mission. They give sacrificially. I heard that this week too. When God's people give sacrificially, it actually opens something up in the heavenly realms. I don't know what that means, but I choose to believe it in faith. I have enough people in here that have told me that too. I believe it in faith. And I know what it's like when God has asked me to do something, to give in that way, not just of finances, but my life. And to give your love, God's love to an enemy, well, that's sacrificial, isn't it? That's difficult. While truly difficult things are happening, Barnabas and Paul 
are out there delivering the gifts of those who gave sacrificially. They didn't go to church. They were the church. They were the church. Pastor Joe said it a couple weeks ago. I was like, it was my first Sunday back. And he actually said, you ever wonder if this isn't what God had in mind? That question has just been like sitting in my gut. Not because I think it's bad what we're doing, but because I think God wants to take us deeper. He wants us not just to come to church and to sit in a seat. He wants us to be the church. They were the body of Jesus incarnate. They were humble. They were kind. They were courageous. They were sacrificial. They prayed. They lived and bled the love of Jesus from the margins. Let's not miss our marginal moment. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the piercing, cutting, precise, surgeon-like cutting that your word seems to do in my heart anyway. And I I trust that you're doing that uh, in our church, Lord. I trust in the same way that... um, just as I mentioned earlier, Lord, the way you cut straight to the heart of your gospel when you asked Lisa and me to begin our family by leaning into foster care. God, you, you are really good at this. You're really good at your job. <laughs> You're really good at your job. And so, Lord, would you move uh, in our hearts this morning? Would you continue to tap in places that we don't like, places that need healing? places that need softening. Lord, I've been calloused. I've been hard. I've been shallow interpreting your word, interpreting the moments in history that are happening. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I want to listen. I want to be faithful to you, Jesus. And I want to continue to love those who are difficult to love, Lord, but who you are saying, that's the one. I'm sending you in to be chained to this person so that you can love them with my gospel. Show them me. Lord, we trust your hand at work in this place. Would you minister to us, Lord, as we sing together? Amen.